0: And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. This week, we are sponsored by Gates Carbon Drive, who just unveiled their Moto X5 belts, which are now making electric motorcycles even more silent than ever. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again this week by electric Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we have a lot of interesting news stories and some reviews to talk about this week. Uh, Just a quick sampling of some of the stories we're going to cover. We've got a review of a full suspension fat tire bike coming up. We've got some new electric bikes, including one that looks like a retro sort of Schwinn Stingray. Uh, Amazon has been taking heat for selling devices that allow people to hot rod their e-bikes for more speed. We've got a review of Pedego's City Commuter. We're also going to talk about some electric motorcycles, including the Fuel Flow, uh, Kawasaki's new electric Ninja. And a test of the Saunders Metacycle. Then we're going to finish it up with a weird Alibaba electric vehicle of the week. But uh, where are we going to start this time, Seth?
1: All right, uh, FLX unveils new electric bicycle based on the timelessly cool Schwinn Stingray. Schwinn, Schwinn.
0: Schwinn, there we go. Yeah, this is a really interesting looking one. Uh, I've always loved those old Stingrays, and I actually have a reproduction of one that I'm planning to uh, do an electric conversion on at some point. But FLX has beaten me to it by rolling out a uh, Schwinn Stingray-styled bike. Now, it's called the Menace. Obviously, they can't call it a Stingray, and they don't even mention the Stingray at all. But uh, if you look at a picture of the old Schwinn Stingrays, it's like the same frame. The same banana seat with that cool like chromed sissy bar, you get the same kind of ape hanger handlebars. And it really looks like just a, a modern day sort of uh, spin on the, the old stingrays. It doesn't have that cool uh, stick shift lever, which I think was banned after a bunch of kids had a, a rude awakening with slipping forward onto it. But everything yeah. that you you could take from an old twin stingray they put on there. Uh, but then of course, it is an electric bike, so it's got a few things that the original Stingray didn't have. Uh, it's got a what looks like a pretty large battery under the seat there. Uh, it also has a rear hub motor. We don't know what the uh, specs on the motor are yet. In fact, we don't really know any of the tech specs because they haven't really revealed any uh, you know hard facts about the bike. They just showed off the the new design. And they allow people to start putting down a reservation. I think it's $100, gets you in line ahead of deliveries in summer of 2023. The other interesting thing is we don't actually know the final price yet either. They said they're targeting $2,000, but it could change. So you're putting down a reservation on a bike that you're not exactly sure how much it's going to cost. So unfortunately, we can't tell you too many details, but we do know it looks pretty sweet. If you're If you're not watching the podcast, if you're only listening... Definitely go check out our story on Electric. Just Google up FLX Menace. It'll probably pop up because you really got to see this thing. What do you think of the design, Seth?
1: Uh, It's pretty cool for sure. Um, And, you know, I like that uh, battery under the seat thing. It's not great for, uh, uh, you know, weight distribution, but it's a very cool look. I think, uh, doesn't um, one of the Super 73s have a similar idea, like the, the ZX? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. The, the Z series also does the seat battery.
1: So I like that, uh, for sure. Um, I wonder like they, it looks like they were, um, they, they stuck with the old design when I feel like maybe they should have like upgraded the design. So like the seat post thing looks a little bit flimsy. Whereas, you know, like why not just weld something on there or maybe it is welded and it's just made to look flimsy. I don't know. But, uh, You know, that I guess that's adjustable because the the front is adjustable, but still, you know, it it doesn't inspire confidence, I would say, especially (laughs) with the heavier battery and all that other stuff.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely going to be some weight back there because you can tell the the front of the seat where like a seat post normally goes into the seat is way like the very tip and all the rest of the weight on the back of the seat post goes into that sissy bar there. So that better be a pretty strong joint.
1: Yeah, and then um, you know we don't know any of the specs, but we can kind of estimate that you know even with a like a two hundred fifty watt motor for Europe or whatever, this is probably going to do pretty well just because of the the size of the wheels and the size of the bike in general. Um, they didn't have any uh, like artwork with people on it because you know I'm looking at these these ones with the kids on it from uh, from Bush, Bush Gardens, in Los Angeles, circa. 1973, uh, I think, uh, you know, like I don't know how adults would look on one of these things.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing those are 20 inch wheels uh, on the, the FLX menace. Cause I think they were 16s on the original stingrays. Really which is part of why um, they look so small. I mean, also looking at the size of those kids, I don't know that those would be 20 inch wheels. Those, right. those look pretty small to me. So uh, I know that the, the reproduction Schwinn stingray I have, cause Schwinn actually still makes, like a version of the Stingray, it has a 16-inch front and a 20-inch rear, which is causing right. me all t- kinds of problems trying to find a conversion kit that's going to fit it. Right. So, uh, but this one, I'm guessing FLX is doing a pair of 20-inch wheels because it just it makes a lot more sense for adults, and 20-inch wheels are so common. Like it'd, it'd be super annoying to find tires and rims and everything to do a 16-inch wheel bike.
1: Yeah, and and these look like much bigger wheels than. Uh, the 70s wheels which are going to be much better for road handling and and probably a little softer as well
0: yeah absolutely it's you know it's interesting that you brought up the the weight distribution because i didn't really think about it normally when you have a hub motor the battery is very far forward so when you pick it up it's still kind of at least forward to back you're kind of even but here it's like all the weight is in the back of the bike so when you go to pick this one up your one hand is going to have a lot more weight than the other
1: yeah, for sure, and uh, that's a little bit of a foreshadowing of what we're going to see in a a later bike that we're going to talk about. So, uh, but for now, let's move on to the KK bike K two six S full suspension fat tire e bike review. A thirty mile per hour, so thirty mile per hour fat tire bike is something special, uh, <laughs> rocket of an electric bike.
0: Yeah, so this is this is interesting from a number of ways. Like we see fat tire bikes all the time. And, you know, occasionally we see fast 30 mile an hour bikes, but to get fast bike with fat tires and full suspension doesn't come along that often. So this was a really interesting one from that perspective, because it it fills that need that a lot of people have to have full suspension, especially people that, you know, don't want their joints being rocked and everything. So between full suspension and fat tires, you have a really plush ride. Like, you know, I could ride this thing over curbs and and over like potholes and all sorts of, you know, gravel, grass, um, you know, divots, everything. And it just, it rode really nicely. Um, it's it's fairly powerful too. I mean, 750 watt continuous rated motor. So I think it puts out something like 11, 1200 watts peak and it gets you an honest 30 miles per hour. I think I even hit 31 a few times when I put it, uh, when I put my phone on there for, uh, g p s verification so it, it actually gets up to the advertised speed, which technically isn't legal in some places if you're riding it on the road. a lot of places use the three class system and you can only go up to twenty eight miles an hour. but a bike like this i mean fat tires full suspension this is meant for taking on trails and and taken off road now you know trails and sort of like fire roads. Uh, nature trails that sort of thing not like you know switchbacks and and real technical single track because it's it's just not a a nimble enough bike for that it's you know a big heavy fat tire bike but in terms of the performance uh, i was actually pleasantly surprised and it's priced at uh, i think the msrp is 2000 but right now it's it's i think priced like 1800 or so probably because of all the early black friday stuff that you know every company has to knock a couple hundred dollars off to be competitive now and at 1800 bucks i mean if you compare that to like a um a rad rover that only has front suspension that um is not as powerful like you, you get some big benefits
1: here yeah so you know obviously um it's a it's a large bike but um like i didn't i didn't see if you were pedaling a lot how did it feel like actual pedaling it or is this more of a throttle bike
0: so I was definitely doing more throttling, but uh, here we go. Uh, speaker yeah. Dell, here I'm pedaling it. So it it you can pedal it certainly just fine. It's a cadence-based pedal assist sensor, so it's not super responsive. You know, you get like a pedal turn or so before the motor kicks in. And mm-hmm. also the, um, the speed that you go is kind of like notches. So as you bump up the pedal assist level, it sort of like bumps up your steady rate speed. So it's not like you can put it in level five pedal assist and still pedal at like a slow pace. You're going to... You know rock it up to a faster level but it's it's still comfortable to pedal you know it's not like these uh moped style bikes where your knees are in your armpits when you try to pedal or anything like that you know it's got nice geometry and it's it's perfectly comfortable now i wouldn't want to pedal it when the battery's dead right it's, it's a heavy bike <laughs> but yeah uh... being
1: a granny gear probably um talk to me about the brakes it looks like i I see that like cadence sensor looking thing that uh, I see in anti-lock brake systems. Is this anti-lock brakes?
0: It doesn't. I don't know why they have it in the disc. They might've just, you know, used a disc that had that capability, but the bike itself uh, doesn't have anti-lock brakes. So I don't know. I mean, it could have been one of those, um, you know, like supply chain things where it's like, well, all we can sell you this month are the ones with the uh, cadence uh, wheel in it. And they're like, all right, we'll put it on the bike. So that also confused me.
1: Okay, and but they do look burly. Are they? It's like a thick chain. What's what are the specs there?
0: Oh yeah, so uh, they're 180 millimeter rotors, and uh, they're real grippy. I mean, it's got strong stopping power. It's not like those cheap uh, hydraulic disc brakes that some companies put on just to sort of like check the box and and say they have have hydraulic brakes. So they're certainly quite nice. Uh, they have those little view holes there, so you can check that you've got enough fluid in there. And I mean, the, the whole bike kind of surprised me with how well it was made for kind of a no name bike. Like if you've never heard of KK bike before, and you know, you're just hearing about it in this podcast, you were right there with me. I'd never heard about it either before I checked out the bike. And so I didn't know what to expect with one of these sort of like Amazon specials, but it turned out to be much better than I thought. I think the only like cheap, like falling apart part was the uh, fenders that are those like kind of junky plastic fenders that flop around those like i
1: I was just going to comment on the the back fender looking like it it would fall off if if you even wanted to keep it on there
0: for sure yeah like I, i often just take those off unless it's like super muddy because they just sometimes you can even hear them smacking the the tire there so yeah that's i mean with with full suspension it's really hard to find a good rear fender because you can't put it on the uh lower triangle there so I understand how a lot of these companies have to cheap out on those, but yeah. still, it's 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 a crappy part. The other thing is, I don't know why they chose that name. Like, of, yeah. of all the letters that you double up on, like, that's the right. one problematic one. And then to have There's, a third K in the word.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you know, in China, they probably don't. That's probably not high on their radar. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. Of things to be concerned about. But yeah, you know, like now that you're selling in the US, you might want to think about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Like any, like any other letters, TT, FF, <laughs> like BB, just take any anyway. of
1: them. Yeah. All right. This is an interesting story. Uh, Amazon takes heat for selling devices uh, to hot rod electric bikes for more speed. And specifically this is for uh, Bosch e-bikes in Europe, right?
0: Yeah. So there, I mean, it's, it's a lot of Bosch motors. There are these kind of kits for other bikes as well, but Bosch has such a large market share that it's, it's kind of like viruses for windows. You know, you just target whatever everyone has. Yeah. So um, Bosch is definitely one of the, the prime targets for people making these uh, hot rodding kits. And especially in Europe, this is where it's most common because speeds are limited to 25 kilometers per hour or 15 and a half miles per hour in Europe, which I feel so bad for all of our European readers and viewers because I don't know how I could get around it at 15 miles an hour. And so I understand that a lot of people want to buy these Hot rodding kits, and you know there are several different kinds. Some of them, it's it's kind of like chipping a car engine, where you plug in a little dongle and it changes the software in the motor's controller. Some of them are hardware hacks, where you either put something on the pedals or you put something on the um, the rear wheel where there's that magnet sensor, and basically you can trick the bike into thinking it's going slower than it is, so it'll go faster. But there are all sorts of you know kits out there to do this, but they're obviously illegal in the countries where you're not allowed to to ride bikes over the speed. And uh, one company in particular, Amazon, has recently been taking a lot of heat for selling these things on its platform. Because obviously, if you're not allowed to use these on the road, then you're probably not allowed to sell them either. And so what Amazon says is that, you know, it's not us selling it. We're just the platform. And there are all these third party companies that basically use us to sell the product. And on the one hand, you know, I kind of get that it's like eBay, you know, anyone can go on and list something on Amazon. It's not all that, you know, it's not everything is sitting in Jeff Bezos' warehouse right there. But at the same time, like they're in charge of the platform, they're running it, and they're theoretically in charge of moderating everything being sold to make sure it's all legal stuff. So I I certainly understand the issue. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to this like terribly limited uh, European law that says that e-bikes can only go Half the speed that we can go in the U.S., which, again, in my opinion, seems like uh, pretty ridiculous when someone can pedal faster than than 15 miles per hour. So I'm, I kind of feel for these regulators that are, you know, having a problem trying to whack down all these hot rod kits. But at the same time, if we just legislated e-bikes with common sense laws, then I think it would be you know, you wouldn't have this problem because you could just let bikes go 20 or 22 or 25 miles an hour. You don't have to limit them to such archaic speeds. I don't know. I'm I'm sure you've got some strong opinions on this stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, actually I've come, I've come around to find myself like, all right, well, I get it on like a a heavy, like a dense bike path. Like you don't want people going and people are idiots and they go way too fast. Um, So I get it. Like I hate that when, when, you know, you're trying to just have a chill ride and some uh, dude says, that, Hey, I have to go 35 miles per hour down this you know narrow bike path that is winding. Like it's always the people who are making the bad decisions. Um, you know, the bikes are, you know, I hate to say like, use the gun analogy, but like, you know, you know, the, the people don't, or guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's like, Bikes don't ride 35 miles per hour. People ride 35 <laughs> miles per hour. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what to, what you do about that. I, you know, does Amazon sell like chip kits for cars? Like, I don't know like what, the, where their, their legal bounds are. But, you know, if they don't sell them, somebody's going to be selling them. It's, it's not really, that's not going to stop the, uh, you know, getting Amazon not to sell them is not going to stop the proliferation of these, these kits. Um, but it is a debate to have, like, you know, certainly it would be nice if people were kind of forced to not go, you know, on bike pass. And maybe that's a technology thing. Like, uh, you know, I'm driving these lime Limes around L.A. I'm at the auto show here. And uh, by the way, it was really disappointing. There was no mobility stuff at the auto show. No you know, um, Saunders didn't have their booth set up. There's nothing. That's a uh, we did see a couple Super 73s in the Ford booth uh, as props, but uh, that's. <laughs> That's as far as we got, um, but like uh, limes are all geofenced. So as soon as you go into a place where uh, Los Angeles has deemed you know scooters are not welcome, the thing turns off, and you have to like kick scoot back to the, the safe zone. Um, and I think that you know maybe like it, that's a, a something to dangle over bike manufacturers. Say, like, look, you can go off road as fast as you want, you know, as fast as motor will take you. But on, you know, certain streets, you're, you know, limited to the speed limit and maybe other streets and bike paths are limited to another limit. And, you know, more and more e-bikes are getting GPS and, and all that stuff. So, you know, maybe that it's a technology solution that we're after here.
0: Right. Well, let me ask you this. What would you think if we sort of regulated bikes the way we do cars where perhaps in bike lanes there was a posted speed limit and every now and again there was a cop with like a radar gun and if you were just going over the bike speed limit maybe it's like 20 or 25 depending on the bike lane you could get a ticket but we don't necessarily regulate the the bikes themselves would you support that or would that be uh, too far
1: I, I think so I, I just don't know if like the amount of resources that um, municipalities have to have a cop with a radar gun i mean, don't do radar guns even work with bikes as well like i know when there's like a speed uh radar thing uh in our town like uh, and i actually like it's on a uh a, a straightaway and i try to get up to like the speed <laughs> limit which is 30 miles per hour so i'm pedaling really hard and um it doesn't get like, I will look at the speedometer and it's not accurate. Like it's usually uh-huh. a little bit lower, but when I drive by it in a car, it's, it is accurate. So I wonder if they're like the radar guns even work as well at low speeds and you know, with bikes not being picked up as well. Yeah, so that's, lot, that's a lot of nuance awesome. there, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I had one of those radar sign things in, in my neighborhood for a while. And it was the kind where if you went over the speed limit, it would give you a frowny face. And I would try so hard to get that frowny face on my e-bike.
1: I know I'm in the same boat. Like it's just a challenge. And, and sadly, I think it's a challenge for some people in cars too. So unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the old uh, bikes versus cars things, but yeah, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I think for me, it's really a matter of both educating riders that you understand sort of what's at stake when you're in an urban area like that, that you don't just like fly down a bike lane when you could have, you know, grandma's walking across the street, but also, um, creating, you know, common sense laws that don't limit bikes or manufacturers to such like archaic laws. And, and we update them to fit modern cities.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so I'm having trouble opening, uh, the pedigo, uh, link. Um, Uh, So I might not
0: have linked that correctly. All right. So um, we do have a, uh, a pedigo review coming up. I can send you the link for that, but um...
1: let me me just uh, Google the uh, words and see if that works. (laughs) I think that works. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, Review pedigo city commuter platinum rides dreamy, but the best part isn't even the bike. So uh, pedigo opened a shop in my small little, uh, village, uh, on the Hudson river, about 30 miles north of New York city. Um, and pedigo shops are owned by, uh, you know, they're like, uh, franchises. So they're owned by the local person. And, um, it's been kind of nice because, you know, everybody in town is talking about electric bikes now. And a lot of people are getting off, you know, out of their cars and, and riding bikes around town. we see a lot more bikes. So like having one of these in our town was, you know, a really nice addition. Um, and here's a little quick look at the shop. Um, and you know the the so before we even get to the bike, I think one of the big things about Petigo that you know is underrated is that you know, sure their bikes cost a little bit more, but the experience of getting the bike, so you know, I, I kind of alluded to in the article, like usually how we get bikes is like some FedEx guy pushes it off the back of a truck as he's driving by your house. So this is nice. You get you get it delivered by an expert who put it together. Um, you know, he put on all the uh, the additions um, and he tightened everything and it's all kind of ready to go. So for a lot of people, um, myself included, actually, you know, that's a great experience. That's, you know, you, you get to see, you know, what your bike can do, some of the nuances about the bikes. You know, he's been in the uh, business for a while. So he knows like what people come back and ask questions about. So he can kind of get ahead of all that stuff. So um for me that's kind of like a big piece of the the, the pedego bikes um, puzzle and you know this particular bike it's been around for a while. I would say it might be a little bit dated in terms of you know like where electric bikes are going today so this one has a, a huge battery above the rear wheel um and so we talked a little bit about how that makes you know you have the heavy motor in the back you have the the battery in the back so you're you're kind of like sitting on a very rear-weighted thing and the the front wheel is a little bit like a rudder uh that sometimes catches and sometimes doesn't (laughs) so uh you know you want to make sure like you're not doing wheelies in this thing but you're you're it's definitely a weird a little bit weird of a feeling um but you know overall it's a great bike they have a like Pedago has a lot of uh, really nice small things. You can see the seat is like a monster, super plush, luxury, lazy boy type seat. Um, that the grips are very soft, and uh, you know it makes riding really easy. The geometry is like upright, so um, you're not. You're gonna. This is like. Um. Let me turn this down real quick. Um, you know, you're just like. Cruising, it's a, it's a, just a really nice bike to, uh, to, well it's doing weird stuff. So. Um, it's a really nice bike to just cruise around with, and then you know, going back to the store, like you know, you're like, oh, a friend of mine got some panniers or, you know, a, a smartphone holder or whatever, and you go back to the shop, and you know, they have a really nice uh, selection. It kind of feels a little bit like an an Apple store all kinds of goodies. And, um, he started out with almost exclusively Pedego accessories, but, uh, he's moved on to, you know, all kinds of accessories for all kinds of bikes. So, um, and then he'll also fix, uh, other electric bikes there. So having a Pedego shop in, ta- in your town is like a great thing, a great addition. I, I just worry like during the winter, you know, we have uh, pretty, uh, snowy winters, I just wonder like how he's going to make it through the winter without uh you know probably not selling too many bikes um have you ever been on uh one of these uh platinum uh city
0: i haven't been on the platinum city no i'm admiring it from all your uh pictures but i've never actually tried one
1: yeah one of the one of the nicer things i thought um is that it has turn signals and it's part of the battery so everything's kind of like in one piece so when you you know, if you take your battery up to your apartment, uh, you slide this thing out and out with it come, comes the light. So, I mean, theoretically, you could probably use it as a light or, you know, big red light with turn signal. I don't know. But the whole apparatus kind of comes out. So, I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of a nice addition, having turn signals kind of, you know, yeah. for this is a road bike. so.
0: And no one steals your uh, lights when you, you know, lock your bike outside if you take your battery in. Cause that's happened to me a lot in the city as I come back to my bike and my, my lights have been removed from it.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I just, you know, like really love that Pedego is putting these shops everywhere. People are getting to actually put their butts in seats and, and ride e-bikes. And I feel like Pedego doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, Their bikes, like, you know, let's, Just be honest here. Like if you're going on Alibaba and speccing this out, you're probably going to pay about half of what they charge. This is a $4,500 bike. Um, But you get, you know, you get it all spec together really nicely. They, they, they put together really nice packages um, and you get it delivered, like all put together and you have like a shop in town or maybe a few towns over where you can take it when, you know, like you actually, you crash it or whatever, you need new fenders, what, you know, whatever you need, somebody's right there. Even just like a tune-up, it's nice to have those people around.
0: Absolutely. And like you mentioned, the fact that a lot of Pedego stores work on any brand of e-bike is a huge benefit because even now in 2022, you can still go into a sort of old-fashioned bike shop and they'll tell you, oh, we don't work on e-bikes. So right. to have that is is so valuable for so many people that don't have another local option for e-bike service or even just like small repairs, even just like changing brake pads. Some bike shops won't change on, on e-bikes.
1: Which is obviously silly because it's the same, you know, brake <laughs> pads, right. That they probably have in stock. Um, all right. So moving on, uh, we're, we're out of the pedal bikes and we're into the uh, motorcycle. So Eric Buell's futuristic fuel flow, and it's rough to read uh, the extra L's. Uh, and and fuel all right electric motorcycle finally opens reservations ahead of launch so we've seen this one before right
0: oh yeah we've been following this for a while uh the the motorcycle and the e-bike that came along with it first debuted in 2019 uh approximately one pandemic ago and Mm -hmm. the uh electric bicycle came out pretty quickly i think in less than a year after the concepts debuted that one was out and that was the fuel fluid but the fuel flow, which was the uh, accompanying motorcycle was sort of like stuck in motorcycle development purgatory for a while there. And so, uh, finally, finally, we got news that the bike is almost ready to enter production. And what that means is they're now taking reservations for it and they're showing off the new design and they're even giving us some real tech specs. Now we had some early information, but, uh, Now we're getting a little bit more. It seems there's going to be two models. One is going to be an 11 kilowatt and one is going to be a 35 kilowatt. And I think the reason they're doing that is because they fit into different uh, classes in Europe. So I think with the 11 kilowatt in many countries, you can even ride it without a motorcycle license. You just need a standard car driver's license. Um, In the U.S., probably both of them will need a a motorcycle license. But uh, it does give you a couple options for power there. Um, There's going to be a 10 kilowatt hour battery, which I think they um, cited as having a city range of something like 150 miles or so. That's probably close to accurate if you're staying at 30, 35 miles an hour. But obviously, if you get this thing on the highway, you're going to be looking at closer to like 60, 70, maybe 80 miles maximum. On the highway going real fast. So, you know, this is still going to be a sort of a commuter bike. It's not for doing long cruising on the highway. It's really for getting around town and maybe doing a, a commute that has some highway jumps. Like, you know, if you're going from, um, you know, part of LA to somewhere else, you can get on a highway and then get back into the city kind of thing. And it it's actually looks pretty convenient for that because it's got some huge storage in it too. The uh, That fake uh, gas tank area there is actually a big glove box. So you could fit an entire full face helmet in there and some other stuff, which on most electric motorcycles, uh, space is at a premium because they're taken up by batteries everywhere. So normally you get like a little glove box that can basically hold a pair of gloves. And so it's nice to see that this one, you know, you might even be able to stick a couple of grocery bags in there if you don't have your helmet in already. So that's that's kind of neat. It's also a, a two seater. It's got pillion pegs. So you could have a, a second rider back there. And in my opinion, it's kind of a neat look. It's a little little bulky there, um, you know, with that, that big battery section. But in general, I think it's got a, a neat look to it. Um, you know, maybe it could have been a little more streamlined. But generally, I, I think I like the bike. It's it's a bit odd with that, like, full-width hub motor back there. So there's, like, no spokes. It's just wheel covers. And what I believe is their own uh, custom-developed hub motor. Um, it's also single-side supported there, which is, is kind of neat. Um, but other than that, I mean, this is basically a, you know, fairly commuter level bike. Um, oh, last thing, I didn't mention the price. So it's going to be $12,000 as the target price, which is about a thousand dollars more than they were targeting in 2019. And to go like three and a half years or so, and, and only increase the price by a thousand dollars isn't too bad in my opinion. So if you want to get one of these, they, they are taking, um, reservations now, but don't expect it to be coming anytime soon they haven't started production and they're not really uh they haven't even announced when they're going to start production so i don't see this as like a you know coming this spring or coming this this summer kind of situation
1: yeah i mean it's a it's a good looking bike and um maybe like i know it because i you know work on the site but i i hadn't known about eric buell uh buell's background um he was a harley designer for a long time right
0: Yeah. So he, um, I think he was independent before he uh, joined Harley, but he's got like a storied racing history and he's like a, you know, a legend of motorcycle design. Um, He started Buell Motorcycles, which was bought by Harley um, and spent a long time as a Harley brand before being closed. Uh, I don't Really remember exactly when, like ten years ago or something like that. But when they were building bikes, I mean, people really liked those Buells. Still, like today, when people have old Buell bikes, you know, everyone talks really highly of them. So, um, you know, he's got a huge following. Uh, he's just kind of like a a living legend in the the motorcycle design world. So to see him come and especially someone who has such a you know, like uh, a storied history in uh, ice bikes to see him come out and say, All right, I'm going to build something electric is pretty cool for the industry, too, because it's like, you know, th- this guy who has so much history there is saying that, uh, you know, even as far back as I've gone with ice bikes, I can see what the future is and I'm building something electric. So I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, totally. And so this is a rear hub motor, right? Uh, so you don't have a chain or a belt.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, should be pretty quiet, pretty clean. Uh, might be a little heavy back there, but again, this right. is not like high performance or anything. This is a, a commuter bike after all.
1: Yeah. It, it looks so like nice and lo- it looks kind of like, you know, a, a Ninja or something, but it's, it's actually, you know, a relatively tame bike. Yeah. So and
0: it, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like he, he tried to not go too crazy or anything with the design. Cause you know, a lot of people want to see like a crazy looking concept but they don't want to buy one so i think he right. was you know fairly um tame with you know not going too wild with this concept and keeping it something that i could see people riding
1: yeah i, I definitely like the look and uh, we don't you you had a look at the storage but um what is it like just that black area where the uh the fake fuel thing is or how far down does it go
0: I think it goes a bit deeper, like past the fuel, uh, like word mark there. Um, okay. I don't think they had any pictures of it open, but they had like drawings and diagrams um, from like, you know, 3D modeling, maybe it was like SolidWorks uh, showing what the cavity looked like. And it was okay. pretty deep in there. And, and they say it can hold a uh, a full face helmet, which is like kind of the delineator, because a lot of these, you can maybe fit one of those like half or three quarter helmets, but a full helmet is very bulky. So that means you've got some serious space in there.
1: That's cool, and also keeps the weight low. Like instead of filling that top area up with uh, batteries, all all the the mo- the motors in the back, it's heavy, and the the batteries are in the middle, so it keeps the uh, lower center of gravity. So all good things. Uh, hopefully, those are out soon. Do you expect to have a uh, review unit at any time soon, or?
0: Oh, I don't know, hopefully. But I I think it's so far from them entering production that I haven't even had an offer of a review unit yet.
1: Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, First look at the Kawasaki Ninja and Kawasaki Z electric motorcycle. And these are coming out in 2023.
0: Yeah, this was a really cool one. I got to see these in person at the Milan Motorcycle Show uh, last week. And this is a pretty big deal because Kawasaki was really dragging its feet for a while in terms of bringing its motorcycles into the electric world. And in, uh, I think it was 2019 at the Milan Motorcycle Show, they showed off a prototype. And then there wasn't a lot of uh, progress since then. So this is the first time we've really seen uh, sort of production-ready models. And these are, in fact, uh, production-ready. These are two bikes that are going to be coming next year. Uh, both the Ninja and the Z. But uh, the, the weirdest thing here is just that the specs are like terrible. Um, I mean, the, the power here, like when you think of a Ninja, like, I mean, this is like a nice street bike, right? Like this isn't like a little scooter, but the power is 11 kilowatts, which is like a decent scooter motor. I mean, that's 14, 15 horsepower, something like that. And so, uh, I mean, this is not a, a high power motorcycle, by any stretch of the imagination um, if anything it's like maybe 125 c equivalent and then the battery capacity there's going to be two battery packs that um, are three kilowatt hours uh, i think together i don't even think that it's a uh, you know six kilo i believe these are two 1.5 kilowatt hour batteries so i mean it's it's like a tiny tiny battery capacity which Again, is is almost scooter level performance. I mean, my both my new and my Gogoro scooters have more than three kilowatt hours. One is like three point eight, and the other is four point two. So, I don't know how you can have a more powerful bike, especially with all of that space, and not give it more than than three kilowatt hours of battery. The only thing I can think of is that because Kawasaki joined up with Honda and uh, the rest of the big four, Yamaha and Suzuki in this battery consortium. And they wanted to all create a standard for motorcycle swappable batteries. But in the end, it looks like they're all just kind of accepting Honda's uh, already existing design, which is called the mobile power pack. And it's basically a Go-Gro knockoff. And those are 1.5 kilowatt hour batteries, I believe. So there's a chance they built this to accept a pair of those. We don't know yet because they didn't have the battery compartment open and they weren't talking about the exact battery but that's really the only reason i can think of to put that little space in there i mean it'd be like building a a gas motorcycle with like a one liter fuel tank or something like it's just like laughably small so great to see kawasaki making progress but i I just feel like they just fumbled it at the two-yard line with the performance
1: yeah it's really sad to see uh you know, especially like slapping the ninja brand on there. Like, I I feel like people are going to be a little bit disappointed. And I I like I'm always paranoid. Like, if these you know internal combustion engine companies are you know just like oh oh you want an electric bike? All right, we're going to build you a golf cart. You know that kind <laughs> of like mentality. So uh, a little bit disappointing to see that. But I guess you know put put stuff on the road. Maybe maybe uh, that's a good start. And they'll get some more powerful stuff uh, down the road. Um, all right, let's move on. Sondor. So uh, we're sticking with the uh, the motorcycles here. So the Sondor's Metacycle first ride. Does this low cost electric motorcycle meet the hype? So uh, I think I was one so of the first excited. rides I've seen. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's. I think there's. Um like two or three reviews out there. There are people getting their bikes. I think something like 100 at least have been delivered in the last few days even. I think they've started delivering uh, many more bikes, including different colors that were further down the line. But um, this was like so long in the making, uh, this review. And so I was super excited to finally get on the bike. Now, I only rode it for a couple hours, including stops to you know like take pictures and and stuff. So this isn't really like a full review. It's more of a first ride experience, but even just spending a couple hours on the bike, I can, I can already tell you a lot about it. And for this one, it was really interesting going into it because for anyone who's not familiar, just like a quick 10 second background, this was a $5,000 electric motorcycle that promised 80 miles an hour and 80 miles of range. And when it was finally delivered, it seemed like there were a lot of compromises. So when I got on the bike, I found out that that 80 miles an hour, it's not a real 80. It's like a, 60 to 70 and then when you hit the like turbo button you get to unlock the 80 miles an hour for like a minute or so and then it goes back to like normal 60 to 70 cruising and there's like a cool off period before you can hit the power button again so uh, a little bit slower than we expected Uh, there are also some design changes it somehow gained like 100 pounds it was supposed to be a 200 pound bike and now it's like 320 or 330 even um and so no one really knows where that extra weight came from unless the company was just a little too optimistic originally and what they thought it could could come out at. And then we saw other design changes that were you know, going to be obvious, like the lights changed to become more legal. Um, some of them were for the better, like the uh, seat got a little plusher. The original one was like very thin looking there. But uh, there are also other sort of like bummers. So for example, the battery, it's both wider now. So it kind of like sticks out into your ankles a little bit and it's not a quick release battery anymore the original design it was like an electric bike that you put your key in and you just pop it out and you carry it inside you know like 50 pounds so pretty heavy for four kilowatt hour battery but it's something that you could take inside and charge if you lived in an apartment or somewhere with no street level charging now it's it's still technically removable but uh unlike the original design there where you just took it out with a locking key now you have to take a couple of tools and remove like six bolts or something and then disconnect a couple electrical connectors and it comes out. So uh, they call it still a removable battery, but it takes a couple minutes. So it's not really like a quick release battery. So going into this review, it's like, all right, I get to ride the bike, but it's not really the same bike that was promised a couple of years ago. And even knowing that I would still say that it was quite a good ride. Like it's still a super fun bike. It's not like crazy powerful. It's I think 14 kilowatt hours or sorry, 14 kilowatts. So it's like 20 horsepower. But I mean, off the line, you're faster than the cars unless they're flooring it. And so it's, you know, as fast as you need it to be for a commuter bike, it's super fun because the the weight is just really low on it, especially with that super low battery. So it's easy to kind of like flick it around and weave around, slide between cars, that sort of thing. Um, and so in that way, it's it's just like a really fun bike for the city. But also you gotta you got to know that like this isn't a super powerful bike. You know, it's not a crotch rocket. It's almost like. A, a good scooter in a, uh, bikes clothing kind of thing. Right. So it's, it's not going to be some sport bike. It's not going to compete against a zero or anything like that. But even that being said, I still came away from this sneaking, like, man, I, I could see myself buying this. Like that's, that's how much fun it was. It's how nice it was to ride. And it was even comfortable for me. I know a lot of people thought that seat wouldn't be comfortable, but like I was on it for a couple hours and and it was just fine for me. So Uh, even though, you know, there's, there's some questionable design stuff, even though there are probably some, uh, overpromise and under deliver situations here, I still came away pretty impressed with the bike. The, the only thing that I, you know, feel bad for is the people who did put down a reservation or pay in full for the bike and then get different specs. In that case, I mean, that's really a bummer because you're not getting what you originally expected, but anyone buying one now knows these are the actual specs. This is the actual performance. And even at its current price of 6,500 bucks, I just don't see really any other option in the U S market for something that can, can touch these specs at this price. Maybe Coulter's close, but it's not even at 80 miles an hour. So I I still think it's a a great bike and I had a lot of fun on it.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that made this bike so special is the packaging. Like, it's very simple there's no wires anywhere. Um, it just looks like a, a feature bike and I think they did a pretty good job like I do see some wires in the handlebars um, but I think they did a pretty good job overall in keeping that you know simplistic um, package and as you you know it said the the weight is low because of the battery. It was funny that that guy in the, the video kind of just took out a four kilowatt hour battery you know like flicked it <laughs> and then pulled it up. Like you can tell, like that's either Superman or uh, that battery was probably not uh, full of batteries. Yeah. So um, you know that it's just uh, one of those things, you know, amusing to see. Um, and you know we've 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 kind of hounded Saunders in the past for kind of overpromising and delivering, but like delivering late, delivering not exactly what you were hoping for, but still like an incredible deal and still you know a good thing. So it's, it's a little bit of a bummer. I feel like Saunders has almost got itself worked into, you know, painted itself into a corner where it has to, you know, announce like absurd, amazing specs, because everybody's kind of expecting them to walks, walk it back a little bit, walk the delivery times back a little bit, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, going forward, I know um, we have uh, somebody in the comments, uh, Armando Mendoza, says he's still waiting for my metacycle to be delivered. What do you think about the final product compared to the prototype that was shown last year? We're talking about that, but like, I know there was something about California, like not being legal in California and they had to kind of uh, readdress that, I guess.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So good news there. I think they've got that all figured out because they, they had to stop deliveries for a period while they got their dealer license, but now mm-hmm. they're back to to doing deliveries and they've even announced that they're doing nationwide deliveries now. So People outside of California are getting delivery windows in the next few weeks, which is uh, a major progress point because for the last month or two months or so, they've only been delivering in California.
1: And we talked about last week or maybe or last time, a couple of weeks ago, um, Saunders uh, did file for an IPO and there was some information about like they kind of really need some money right now. Um, and I don't know if they're making too much money on each sale of the Metacycle. So what's, what's kind of the vibe there right now?
0: So we don't have much of an update there. Um, other than the the little bit of off the record stuff that I was able to include in, um, in the last story, which is basically that uh, the financials that we saw there were only current as of the summer and things might've changed in that, time period, which is true. But um, it does still seem like from what we could tell, Saunders is hard up for money. Uh, The interesting thing is they've had a lot of cancellations from those early reservation holders, but those bikes are still here. They've got um, over a thousand bikes in the U.S. now based on import data that's publicly available. And many of those, they were able to basically resell for 6,500 when people that reserve them at 5,000 canceled. So that's probably going to help a bit with money.
1: That's interesting. Uh, They're they're probably actually hoping a lot more people cancel so they can get fifteen hundred dollars more per bike. Um, Well, uh, yeah, I guess I guess like if you know Saunders, you you know what you're getting. Um, So hopefully, uh, people who ordered are happy with their situation. It's and it sounds like the bike you get, the package you get, you know, once it's legal and everything's good, it seems like you are very, like high, you know. It's a very good situation. All right, moving on. Uh, Weird Alibaba, only $2,000 for this great looking electric vintage VW bus with a small twist.
0: And the small twist is that it's also a food truck, this uh, VW bus. Now, it is a sort of functional electric vehicle. It looks like, you know, a classic hippie bus kind of thing. Um, But the roof of it pops open and one side folds down like a food counter and you can legit like operate a taco truck out of this thing. And so it's kind of almost cooler in a way because it's open in the center. I mean, a lot of people would use these as like campers, right? So you don't even have to like take a bench of seats out. It's already pretty open. So if you wanted to turn this into like a, a utility vehicle or a camper or something you could do that or you could just like run your own coffee cart or anything. I mean, I think, you know, doing an ice cream truck out of one of these things would be really cool because you get that like old timey feel. Um, Bauer, our graphics guy had me serving, I think dog food or, or meat or something to dogs, which is an optional, uh, direction to go here. But I, I think that, you know, it, the cool thing with these sort of, uh, Chinese knockoff vehicles, which that's obviously what this is, is like just a straight hundred percent copyright infringement knockoff of a, of an old VW bus. But the cool thing is that they kind of put their own flair on it. And in this case, it's that like, you could do anything with it, including turning it into a rolling business on wheels. I I would love to see someone, you know, serve an ice cream in central park with this thing.
1: Yeah. And like it's, it's obviously a trademark violation on wheels uh, with the, uh, the vw in the front but it it looks really cool um you know it, it in some world it would be nice if like vw was actually okay with uh something like this but i'm sure their trademark lawyers are on it in some fashion i noticed that uh one graphic has an m in the front and then the actual real thing has like the vw thing um i guess that's part of the uh the Alibaba experience is you you don't really know (laughs) what you're going to get.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that was really on there. Some people thought that uh, graphics changed that to an M for me, but that's really how it comes out of the factory with that M on it.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah. And and obviously this is not going to be road legal in any way, shape or form. It's probably more like just enough power to get it to where you're going to be selling your ice cream or dog treats.
0: Yeah, and pretty affordable too. You want to guess how much it costs?
1: I think it said two thousand dollars in the title.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, spoiler alert: it's uh, it's only two thousand dollars <laughs> minus thousands of dollars of shipping fees.
1: Right. Yeah. So if you got, you know, how many of these can you fit in a container? Maybe that's the better question.
0: I think two and a half.
1: Okay. And would you actually put a half one in a container, or well, maybe maybe if you get some e-bikes in there.
0: You can bring five that way, just some okay. assembly required on one of them.
1: Got it. All right, uh, I'm probably not gonna put this in my shopping cart, but uh, maybe somebody out there is looking to uh, to get into the, uh, the business of um, slinging ice cream and dog treats, so good for them. All right, let's hit the comments real quick. Um, so this is something that I saw in the, uh, the Slack channel did you end up getting the Chinese electric boat?
0: Yes, I did. I actually just this morning I was starting to write the post on it. So next week I'm going to have an article about the process of buying an electric boat from Alibaba. It's currently on the water, so I've paid for it in full. Uh, it was a thousand and eighty dollars, and then I think almost two k for shipping. So I'm in it for about three thousand dollars. But for a five seater electric boat, like it's not that bad.
1: No, not, not at all. And you said it's on the water. So that means it's floating. That's a good sign. Uh, what kind of specs? Does it, it's a five-seater. Um, yeah, five seater. What, what kind of specs are we looking at
0: here? 14-footer. Um, the motor, it's listed as 500 watts. But uh, in China, they usually use continuous watts. And the motor, it seems to be like this big. Like it looks like it came out of a washing machine. So it's uh probably you know putting out at least a thousand watts peak uh but the interesting thing is it's it's an inboard motor so it's not like a an outboard on the back of the boat and which is also funny because normally an inboards are on like much nicer boats not like a thousand dollar crap bucket so um there's like a, a hatch that you can get to the motor and so i think it'll be really easy to replace and i could put like a you know pretty good size motor in there so I'm excited for that. Uh, it also, it doesn't have batteries. So stateside, I'm going to put about five kilowatt hours of uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries in it.
1: Okay. And uh, yeah, that's nice inboard. You can, you know, you're at the uh, boat bar and you can be like, yeah, I got an inboard uh, boat out there and the uh, <laughs> ladies will not be impressed. Um, <laughs> so I don't have a picture of it handy, but it's yellow. Uh, we're going to see it pretty soon. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I want be yellow. There's, there's one exciting addition to it. You're going to put a canopy on it, right? Or is that, did I, did I spoil the no, secret? It,
0: it, no, no, it's, it's okay. in the works. So it has okay. a like plastic canopy, but I'm going to add solar to the canopy. Yeah.
1: Nice. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, we talked about the, uh, the, the Saunders uh, Metacycle. I'm sure some of our readers have some coming. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, your experiences Um, James Morrison, uh, we were talking about the laser, uh, so the radar detectors, um, or sorry, the the radars that uh, police use to check bikes. Um, if, I guess if they're laser based, um, you'll just need to point them differently. Um, moving on, Carl in San Diego doesn't like the fuel, uh, name for an electric brand. I don't hate it. I I just don't like the, the extra L's. It's a little hard to read. (laughs) I don't know how you feel.
0: I mean, technically, fuel doesn't mean, like, fossil-based fuel, right? Fuel is just whatever you put into charge. It's like electricity is a form of fuel, technically, right? Or am I being pedantic?
1: No, I think you're right. Uh, But Carl's probably used to a different connotation. So we'll let it slide. All right. uh, Owen Darl says Saunders is consistently terrible at their weight claims. The Rockstar and LX were supposed to be 65 pounds and ended up at 90. Well, you know, like Storm Saunders is a little bit of like uh an Elon Musk character where I think he has uh expectations and he tries to get his people on board with this this fantasy dream that he has, and then what ends up happening is uh they end up somewhere between reality and this fantasy. And I guess you know, you're moving in the right direction. You're just you know, you can't ever meet these these goals, and I mean, sixty-five pounds for one of those. If you've seen the the Rockstar and the LX, they're they're large bikes. Uh, so I don't think. I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't think anybody's really believing anything Storm says these days. <laughs> at least on on paper, we know where he's going, we know where what he's thinking, but you know, it's just not not realistic.
0: Yeah, what for sure. It, it's funny because the way you describe it, it sounds like that means the Saunders product is the point where fantasy and reality combine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the spec sheet is the fantasy and the reality is the uh
0: the bike in the driveway
1: the bike in the driveway and like you said it he like i have a old saunders x uh fat tire bike from like five or six years ago that bike's great it's it's not what they said it was going to be uh but it's a great bike and it was at a great price so you know go into a saunders purchase with the expectation you're not going to get what they're talking about but like You're going to get something between what they're talking about and, you know, like what a competitor is going to sell. So you're still getting something better, just not as as much better. Yeah, for sure. All right. Annie Lee Robinson, uh, we're still talking about the Metacycle. The hole in the frame is a waste of space that could have been used for more batteries or storage for stuff. And we saw the storage in the fuel bike. I agree, but like it also looks pretty cool. What do you think?
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting point. A lot of people bring that up. And uh, it actually, from the beginning, Storm has said that it will have three options there for accessories, which are uh, a three kilowatt hour uh, auxiliary battery, a level two charging accessory, so you could charge at a public charging station, or a storage box. So uh, everyone who says that, they're exactly right. And it's actually part of the plan. The problem is, I don't, I don't think those exist anywhere other than on paper at this point, because I haven't even seen a prototype of any of them. And so while they sound like a good idea and the company has embraced them, I don't expect to see them as a thing you can buy anytime soon.
1: Yeah, theoretically, like a, a charger or a battery would require like a, you know, some sort of module where you would plug that thing in. And I don't think I saw anything on there. So, yeah,
0: I mean, they could have it hidden in the battery box there, but that would require a level of future proofing that I'm not sure saunders is is working at.
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, we know it you know we're getting here. all right, uh, Carl in San Diego, 80 miles per hour might be fun to do, but it's horrible for efficiency, which is true. Uh, so that was never a smart design target. Yes, I ride, and that power can get you out of a jam but not need it. I think we're on the same page what do you think
0: yeah absolutely um i forgot to mention it but it is in that first ride where i i wrote that my extrapolated range for that ride based on how much battery i had left and as the range i had or the distance i had traveled was i think 40 miles so and i was using a lot of that 80 mile an hour boost button so you really cut into your battery capacity when you go that fast
1: yeah yeah, and, and so he continues, slow needs to be the new cool. Motorcycles will not survive electrification if you need a 14 kilowatt hour to sell one. Yeah, I mean, the the higher end Harley and uh, Zeros uh, really take a, a range hit when they when they have the huge ba- uh, motors and, and they're used uh, as such. Um, anything to add there?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. Also, when you have a bike that looks as cool as a motorcycle, you want to go slow enough that people can see you
1: nice uh all right annie lee robinson i think golden motor do a five kilowatt marine motor
0: yeah i'll have to look into that uh gold motor is this like semi-popular asian company that they kind of make a little bit of everything i've used some of their e-bike motors like a decade ago i haven't bought anything from them in a while but i should look into that if they have a cool marine motor
1: all right. Uh, Spencer Peterson also waiting patiently for my 600M Noir Aptera. Oh, Aptera. I don't, you know, the thing about Aptera is like, I don't know which podcast to put that on. Like, is that a, <laughs> is that this pod- Cause it's a three wheeled vehicle, but you know, it's street legal. uh He's so like a we crossover a- episode. Right. Right. Um, and I think everybody at electric has like uh six uh, referral Apteras coming their way. So <laughs> <laughs> Should be a fun time. We'll have our fleet. <laughs> um, all right, so let's see. Uh, moving on, Carl in San Diego. I like the idea of a solar junk. So junk is the, you know, kind of Asian term for a small, uh, long boat. Um, uh,
0: thank you for that. I did not know. Yeah, that. no
1: worries. Yeah, uh, we used to go on these uh, junk boat rides when I lived in Hong Kong. It was, it was a ton of fun.
0: I was like, what the heck um, is a junk?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell me about that. I I wanted to ask, like, what are the specs of the the solar array that you plan to put up there, and you know, how long will that power your boat, or how fast will you go?
0: Yeah, so I think I can get about a 500 watt panel up there, and so that's almost enough for like continuous. Well, depend. Maybe if I'm getting like 400 watts of of real power out of it, you know, in like direct Florida sun, that's you know, with like a 500 watt motor, that's almost enough to cover what I'm taking out. So it's like almost infinite range when the sun's out. Um, but it kind of depends how powerful that motor really is. You know, if it's 500 watt continuous, but it's really pulling a thousand, then, uh, you know, I'll be draining a lot quicker, but still, I think, you know, getting a 500 watt panel up there will be a lot of solar. Um, but the other thing is like, I don't really know how big the canopy is with a lot of these Alibaba purchases, the specs are kind of blurry until you get them in in hand and you can kind of check out the vehicle. So i will have to see what actually fits up there.
1: Yeah. And you could always slow down a little bit and, you know, kind of go to where the, you know, the amount of power coming in is. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you even need a a battery on that thing? Like if you just hope it doesn't get dark.
0: (laughs) Well, the other cool thing is that like, even if, you know, it's, um, you know, powers it at like half the rate that I'm uh, supplying the motor, that might mean that in a full day of sun, I could recharge. So like if it's at a dock, I don't even yeah. have to worry about bringing a cord out to it or something, you know, and a lot of right. people only use a boat on the weekend. So it just, you use the whole battery on the weekend and then it sits there charging during the week from the sun and you never have to plug it in.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, situation. And what what's also nice is a lot of docks have power already. So you can just plug those puppies in, even 240 sometimes. So uh, that's cool. All right. uh, I think that's all the comments. Um, Let's see. The great thing about solar boat canopy is that we'll always be charging best application for solar mobility. And um, let's see. Jamie Mansell on YouTube did a series of how he made a couple of different solar boats which are worth watching. So mark that down. Maybe uh, part of your build will be investigating those but that's all the comments
0: yeah you guys are, are getting uh, ahead of the game here that's probably for the next podcast where we talk about the the boat so uh thank you guys for tuning in this week and of course we will see you guys in another two weeks for the next episode of the wheelie podcast take care and see you next time